Um, I'm going to talk about um, God's four C's. Oh, nearly. Um, it's nearly there. There we go. I'm going to talk about God's th- three, um, four C's. Um, community, commitment and commission. Now, you're thinking it can't even count. Um, but there is a reason for that. If you talk about, if you talk to, um, if you Google in uh, three C's, people will say the three C's of life are this. Choice, chance and change. That's not a biblical thing. That's pretty good, isn't it? Choice, chance and and change, you know, you, you make a choice, come along to church on a Sunday, I can preach from this, yeah, I'll do two for, two for the price of one. You make, a, you make a choice, come along to church on a Sunday, and you hear about people saying Jesus can change your life, and you take a chance on Jesus. This is a good thought, I could sit down in a minute after this. And, um, and you know, we would say, it's worth a chance. It's the biggest chance of your life, to ha- have Jesus as Lord and Saviour of your life. You don't know where you end up with Jesus, but you know you're in a good place. He's one that sticks closer than a brother. He knows us more than we know ourselves. He forgives us our sins. And more than that, he gives, us a, he gives us hope. And he gives us a fresh chance. And he also gives us change. There you are. So there's a sermon for, in, in two sentences. But I want to talk today about God's um, four C's. Community, commitment, and commission. You know, we are living, aren't we, in, in a really... Div- Extraordinary times. Um, and we need to understand our culture. That there is a culture out there that we, if, as Christians and church, if we're going to uh, um, connect with our culture and transform culture, we need to understand what our culture is. And I think never before, as far as I'm aware, from what I've read and what I understand and listen um, about, is that never before have people been so lonely. There's just lonely. It's just lonely. People are lonely out, out there. Yet there's never been so much innovation and, and trying to connect with one another. Um, you know, the social networks. I know Steve, the, um, Steve the Dunny does all this Twitter stuff, doesn't he? And um, he's a tweeter. Is that right, a tweeter? Thank you. Very good. Very good. I'm a blogger, but I'm a, I'm a reluctant blogger. Um, but people are desperate. You know, to, um, to, so many people are desperate to belong. And actually, some of this electronic um, community is so helpful because you can get on Facebook, can't you? And you can, if, you, if you've got relatives abroad, you can speak to them. It, it can be really, really helpful. And tweeting can be really helpful because I can know what Steve's up to um, when he says he's praying, you know. He's, he's a... <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um... <laughs> but... On slide, if you could put slide two up, um, there's so many social networks now that some of you most probably think, I haven't got a clue what this is about. Others you will say, well, I know what it's about. And that's actually, that's a challenge, isn't it? Because it, it almost divides society between the people who understand and the people who send a line on the sofa and have the TV flicker and, you know, watch the news. There's Facebook, email, Twitter, Facebook again, um, MySpace, YouTube, Link. I, I thought that was LinkedIn, but it's LinkedIn apparently, LinkedIn. I, somebody asked me to be LinkedIn, I didn't know what it did, so I, I signed myself off. Blogs, scores of others, um, and they're all wonderful ways of people trying to connect, trying to find one another. Uh, and in one sense, the planet has never been more interconnected, has it, than it has now. The prophet Daniel said, in the last days, people go to and fro right across the whole world. He, he saw something in the Holy Spirit. You know, we can get now to, you know, I can get to Lille from Ashford in 50, 54 minutes. It's, it's, 
no-brainer to plant a church in Ash. I mean, in Lille, is it? If you're 1.1 million people and 130,000 students, and we can get there in 50 minutes, amazing. You know, never has the world been some. It's become smaller. Yet, I think 73% of people in the UK don't know their neighbours' names. 73%. So, such loneliness there. Such shallowness. You know, how are you? I sometimes attempt to say, well, how would you like me to be? <laughs> Ash, have you seen our new fancy bridge at Ashford when you go down the M20? It's a real fancy, it looks French, very French, very French, very, very French. It's just come over, it's so people can get to Tesco's without um, Sainsbury's um, and the cinema and all that. Two people have committed suicide in the last eight months from that bridge, jumping off the bridge there because they're so lonely. And I know that for a fact because somebody in our church has been caring for the, the daughter of the lady who jumped off the bridge and she couldn't be identified because um, for two days they were trying to put the, work out where the, where the pieces fitted. Dreadful. There's such loneliness. It's in Ashford. I guess it's here too. People are still looking for connection. They're looking for community. One leading psychologist said this, when we find ourselves subtly substituting electronic relationships for physical ones or, making our, or mistaking our electronic relationships for physical ones, we may, we may feel we're connecting effectively with others via the internet, but too much electronic relating paradoxically engenders a sense of social isolation. That's not, you know, preachers saying that. That's just a reality. So we have to watch it. And and actually, we've got a great opportunity in the church, haven't we? Because the church is a community. Here, we find one another. I mean, we're at Ashford. I mean, we've got got about eight different nations now coming in. It's wonderful. We've got different sorts of people from um, countries in Africa. We've got Germans. We've got one couple in our church um, in South Ashford. Um, they noticed a lot of Polish people in their community and nobody would speak to the Polish community. Right? So what Sarah did, she put a poster up, she worked, she worked, had gone on the internet and worked out what it said, Polish people welcome in Polish. She got a roll of newspaper, um, roll of wallpaper, wrote it out, stuck it on the window, Polish people welcome here. Hello, I'm Polish. He said, nobody talks with us. There's isolation. I mean, what a, just one thing has brought a Polish family to be born again and added to the church. Because people are lonely out there. God didn't send us a, a text in the end. He sent himself. Now, he did send a text in a sense because he sent the prophets, didn't he, to the word, but that, that wasn't enough. Ultimately, he sent himself. Because God's a God of community. You've got God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. I don't understand how it works. It's a mystery, right? But I know that's a fact. So I'll just live with it. I'm glad I've got a God who I, don't, I can't work out. Otherwise, it wouldn't be God, would he? It'd be my little God I could put in the pocket. But because I don't understand God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that's why I worship him. Because he's, he's, there's his otherness. But I know his community. God... It's, that's what God's like, you see. So if we're going to be like God, the church, we've got to be community. And people need community. People need that sense 
of belonging. And, and God's first community on earth, if you want to um, put up slide three, um, is Adam and Eve. They were created to enjoy... Oh, golly, it's a bit rude. <laughs> um, they were... <laughs> leave it out. No, leave it in. No. Um, they were created to enjoy fellowship with God and each other in a protected area called the Garden of Eden. You got that? So God created a, a protective environment for them and he put man and woman there. That was the first community. It's wonderful. And then he said, from which they would go forth and, and multiply and fill the earth. So there's a sense of community, a sense of protection, but a sense of calling ultimately to go out from the garden and fill the whole earth. In Genesis 1.28, it said, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful, hey, and increase in number and fill the whole earth and subdue it. Now, he called Adam, Adam, thank you, <laughs> you got the joke. Um, <laughs> Adam means earthling, basically. It means actually red soil because he was brought forth from soil. And he said, it's not good for man to be alone. And he, called, he, 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 he brought forth woman, which means Living life. Isn't that wonderful? Living life together. I think there's a clue in the names, don't you? For people like me. God's saying, come on, live life together. That's always God's passion. Not to have people trying to walk out their spiritual life in isolation, but in community with kids, adults, children, teenagers. Community. God's, that's God's heart for community. And this first covenant community whereby they lived um, face to face, communicating in harmony with each other in a, in a, with a unique relationship with God. That was the ideal. But we know then, sin got in the way. I got his, found this great slide. You've got a little cartoon. I hope it comes up behind me now. Um, there we go. Can you see that? I know we can't afford it, but that serpent is so convincing. You know how I can't resist apples. <laughs> There's a little apple computer there. Um, <laughs> I just thought I was funny. I'm not lightening the effects of sin, but it, it, sometimes it, you just have to stick those things up. But they're working out their commitment. Yeah, because sin, sin came into the world. They still had to deal with each other in community, didn't they? And, it, you know, in whether it's family life, or, or whatever, wherever there are people, there'll be, there'll be problems. And there's problems in church. But thank God for Jesus and the Holy Spirit. He helps us to maintain community and keep that unity of the Holy Spirit by which we're unique. You'll never get a unity anywhere else in Herne Bay other than the local church when it's functioning right. It's absolutely great. Old people, young people, professional people, non-professional people, black, white, whatever. It's unique. It says something about God loving everybody equally. But as man sinned, um, God placed them outside of this garden environment. There was a sense of protection being forfeited and they were, they were sent out from the garden um, and... Uh, uh, and as a consequence, they were, they were, it says in Genesis um, 3.23, the Lord banished them from the garden to work the ground from which he had been taken. After he drove man out, he placed on the east side of the garden of Eden a cherubim and a, slate, a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. There was something special they'd forfeited through sin. The trouble is most people don't know they're living outside the garden now. 
metaphorically. There's a whole relationship there they could have with God they don't know. And, you, and working it out in the community of the local church. Church should be a safe place. Then we fast forward again through time. Look, I'm taking you through the big story. You, you all know the, the man called Noah, don't you? God told him to, to, to build a big boat. And, uh, and, and he take your family in, Noah, because I'm going to judge the earth for all the sin. And they were the, they, just imagine going into that huge ark with all the animals. It must have smelt like blazes, mustn't it? I mean, a zoo. You've been to a zoo. It smells awful, doesn't it? Elephant enclosure. Oh, don't like a naked match in there. The old lot will go up. They wouldn't be able to cook, would, <laughs> would you? Cook in the ark with all those that methane. Uh, answer that might be the phone. Um, look, th- th- there was something special about that. God again was taken in large community and safeguarding it and protecting it. But the but the call upon it was still to fill the nations. When the waters recite, recite, receded, the ark door opened and they came out and he said, now go forth and, and populate the earth. There was that call upon the, this community that had protection still to go out and make a, a, an impact the earth with the... With, with the with, impact, you know, what was... Let me get this right. To, to, yeah, to go and populate and be fruit and cause the earth to be full and fruitful with God-fearing people. So it's not about keeping it nice and cuddly on the settee. You see the analogy? We call to, to being community together in the security together that being a part of a committed church provides, but not to keep nice and cosy. We're meant to go out there because the need is out there and God expects that of us. And this is the way that God repeats this wonderful story of community, commitment, and call to the nations throughout the Old Testament. We see that God, in slide seven, God, through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he begins to bring forth a larger covenant community now. It's gone from a few, but to a many, and to ancient Israel, where there are people of God walking it through together. And he drew forth his committed people and with him at the centre. Um, that was rem- represented by the temple, wasn't it? And, and Gentiles would, would not be able to just to, to stroll in and to be a part of God's covenant people. Gentiles could come in to be a part of it, but they had to be circumcised. Well, that's a, you put that on your church membership. You won't get many people, you won't get many men coming in anyway, would you? Um, but, the, but, the, but it says in Exodus twelve forty eight, a foreigner residing among you who wants to be celebrate the Lord's Passover must have all the males in his household circumcised, and then he may take part like one born in the land. No uncircumcised male may eat. The same law applies both to the native born and to the foreigner residing among you. These were God's special people. And so when the foreigners coming in who wanted just to tag along with them, he said, no, 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 no. This is a covenant community. There needs to be some boundaries before people, because anybody just could stroll in and out and you don't know who's with you and who's not with you. In actual fact, there was, it wasn't just a group. This is God's people. So God put these guidelines in to safeguard the potency 
of community and the clarity of community. But God was drawing forth a distinctive people belonging to him. Then you fast forward again now and we, we see the fulfilment of all God's promises with the arrival of Jesus. Jesus comes onto the world scene, doesn't he? And, uh, and he established uh, what, what he said, I'm going to establish a new covenant, a new way of doing life together, uh, of which uh, the past, all that went before him, was like a shadow. Um, it was just a pointer to the real thing that was now happening. And so at this point, Jesus adds a fourth C. Okay, before it was community, commitment and, and call. But Jesus had to foresee, and that's conversion. Jesus said to Nicodemus, one of the religious people, you know, a notable man of the time, he came to Jesus by night. You find it in, if, you, if you've got a Bible in John chapter 3, remarkable story where this religious leader comes to Jesus by night because he had all the religious concepts, but he didn't know God personally. And he clearly saw something in Jesus who was different. And he said, look, I know you're a man sent from God. And Jesus almost interrupts him. And he said, Nicodemus, unless you're born again, you're not going to see the kingdom of God. Whoa! And that's... You see, Jesus was saying, look, to be a part of this new community that I'm shaping, which will be called the church, each and every person has to encounter me personally, has to be born again. Personally, I became a Christian when I was 11. I, I encountered Jesus personally. I didn't see him, but I knew, I knew he was there. I gave my life to him. I knelt down by my bed. I said, Jesus, I want you to clean out all the grot out of my life. And I want you to come and live in me. It was an encounter with Jesus. And I got born again. Right? What, was I changed immediately? Yes, I was. Was I perfect? No, I wasn't. I used to go down to Leicester City, sing all the dirty songs in the spine cop, and miss the dirty song bits out. That's how that was how I was learning to be a Christian. Yeah? And bit by bit it began to change me from the inside. But I knew something had happened. I was I was converted. And I'd become a part of God's people. So whichever church I went to, I felt a part of it because I encountered Jesus. And it may be you're coming along here because you've seen something. You want more in life. And well done, because this is it. You can go any church in the world when you know Jesus and you feel like you've got brothers and sisters anywhere in the world. But you may, may not know yet Jesus. I don't know. I don't know some of you. You've, you've grown since I last came. It's wonderful. But I'd encourage you. you. You can know Jesus by a simple prayer, by asking him to forgive you. Jesus, come and cleanse all the stuff, all the distrust, all the hatred, all the unforgiveness come into my life. I want to be a part of this. And it happens because he's faithful. God's faithful. To, he answers prayer. And Jesus said as well, I, I am the good shepherd. I, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Okay? Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep, that's you. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them in also. They too will listen to my voice and they shall be one flock and one shepherd. Now you've got a, you've got a problem, haven't you here? 
you really have got a real problem. It's not big enough. <laughs> you know, wonderful, but it's not big enough. I was, when, before the meeting started, I was looking at that pot plant and I thought, we've got one of those, but ours is about up here. It's like a mini one. And I realised the only difference is we've got a bigger pot. And the bigger the pot, the bigger the plant. The bigger the goldfish bowl, the bigger the goldfish. Right? So you will stay at a certain size if you stay in this building as your main meeting. I've just got to tell it as it is because it's, it's, I've, got, I've, got I've got to be obedient to God. Right? So it totally depends if you want to stay a little pot or a big pot. Big pot or a little fish. Yeah, God's with you. I mean, it was a great time this morning, wasn't it? God is with you. There's something, there's something kicking here. As kids, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't it be great if that conga line, you know, you couldn't do the conga line because there was not enough space? It'd be great. I do hope somebody responds to the request for help to cut those paper figures out. That's important because it says, I actually, I'm committing to this. Right? See, some of you have already forgotten already that there's a call out, but I wasn't. I'm listening because this is important for. This is important. There are people who will be saved through this church's ministry if you, if you resist the temptation to keep it nice and cosy. And after Pentecost, we see the same principle at work in the church. When the day of Pentecost came, they're all together. That's community. And, and Peter stood up and he preached. Um, and he said, save yourself from this corrupt generation. And it said they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. There was that commitment to making it work. But the purpose of God for the first church is to go out to the Gentiles, wasn't it? Now we're no different. There's an expectation of God upon you as the same as the early church. You're not, just because you've got, this is a great building, isn't it? No, it's a good building. It's not a great building. It's a good building. Right? But don't let the good get in the way of the great. Okay, you are the building, the people of God. And we want the, the building to grow, don't we? We want you to grow. I mean, these kids, these are great. Those kids are faithful kids, aren't they? I mean, how many, half a dozen? They're great. At, at Gateway, we started with one kid. We couldn't get through the one barrier. We found after a year... People, the family's coming and going, coming and going with kids, and nobody's stuck. We found out this kid was saying, this is my church, clear off. (laughs) (laughs) He did. He was telling them to clear off. Because he wanted, it was all nice, and he he got two teachers for one person. See, he loved it. Then he got saved, and that changed him. And now we've got nearly 100 children. I I was going to say it's a nightmare, but it's not. It's a privilege and a joy. Can you imagine the teacher ratios and the number of people you have to cut out and add paper every week? It's, it's brilliant. It's like the Grand National round off in our church, our church meeting with all the leads, thinking, no, oh, they're going around them. You know, there's all sorts. It's, it's absolutely wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. But it's because we put a priority on children. And it's great being grandparents, isn't it? You know, let the younger ones do it. You know, his grand- we, we get all the joy, don't we? It just costs us a bit of money, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> Two weeks ago, three weeks, three weeks ago, fast, fast, re- redo this a bit. There's so much, we can be under pressure to reach the youth of our town that we've got to come up with these 
really clever ideas to do youth work. Make it really cool, hip, trendy, yeah, yeah. High five, like whatever it is, you know. You've got to, you've just got to do everything. One of our teachers brought a lad into our, from his school. He said, oh, do you want to come to church? He said, yeah, right. Come, came along to church three weeks ago. He was sitting at the back, back where you are. And um, this Yorkshire man, Tony from Yorkshire, because um, there's two churches come together at Ashford from Sultan Light Church have joined us and we're now one church. It's been fun. Actually, it's been a dream, dead easy, really. And Tony from Yorkshire, he, he goes, um, I just want to share... I can't do Yorkshire, I'll try, but I, I just want to... He looks a bit like you, so when I see you, I see Tony, you see. So he says, uh, I just believe God's... Um, somebody here today, he said, he's got um, unforgiveness. And I just want to share that. I think God's speaking to somebody here. And he sat down. Well, this lad, at the end of the meeting, he goes up to somebody and said, I don't know what's happening there, but this a 17-year-old lad, never been to church before, called Luke. He said, um, that man, when he said that, something happened in here, in my heart, and I, I realised I'm holding unforgiveness towards my grandparents, my granddad. Something had happened. And he, he, I want to get it sorted. He comes to me at the end of the meeting. He says, right, how do I join the church? Straight away. And I thought, no, what you're asking is how do I become a Christian? But I thought, actually, you're not that far out, really. So we explained to him how to become a Christian. Last week, he said, I want everything. Last week, he comes, he comes and he says, I want everything. I want to be involved in everything. This is a lad, a teenager out there who's never been to church before. But God's grabbed hold of him because he spoke to him. No fancy youth work, just a word of knowledge and friendship. And people who would accept him. Nice lad, actually. And he comes to the prayer meeting, church prayer meeting, Sunday night. That's our favourite night, a prayer meeting. And he, he, I see him nodding this guy, edging this, um, elbowing this guy. He said, I found a book, and it's got my name on it. It's called The Gospel of Luke. So I'm reading The Gospel of Luke, and he says, there's something here I want to share with people, because it, it just seems it could be really good. So he shares it. So it's like a prophetic word for the church. <laughs> <laughs> And he wants to go to the Tenderton Church plant, and he's, he's caught between, he's got a big problem because we, we're meet, Tenderton Church plants meeting upstairs in the library at the moment until we're ready to launch them out. But he wants to be in the main meeting as well, he wants to be everywhere. But God's just grabbed hold of him. Isn't it wonderful? Mm-hmm. 17, been to church once, bang, God speaks to him. And I think, wow, the number of non Christian youth he knows. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't have to be fancy, it's a community. Hey, I want, I want what you've got. I want to belong to what you belong to. Wow. We encourage people to become members of Gateway. I make no bones for it. How we do, we have a vision and values course, Friday night and Saturday morning. People, we ask people to go along to a small group for a start. Um... If you want to be involved with us, they've got to be friends. They, anybody can turn up to a small group. And if, if they're born again and uh, they're making friendships, we invite them onto our Vision and Values course. Friday night, Saturday, we go through some, lots of food um, and some, some basic vision and values. Then we say, if, you know, if they're not nutters and they love Jesus and you know, they want to be committed. We say, right, well, write a, write a little letter in your own words or send us an email why you want to join the church. 
And so they do. And I've got a huge stack now of over 150 letters of why people want to join Gateway. And it makes them think, because I want them to value community. I tell you what, it's really great. Then when, pe- when people have read, read the letters, so written the letters, we read them, and they're very moving, absolutely moving. One guy wrote to me, he says, I, um, I, I want to become a member, no, um, I want to become a member because I hate coming to Gateway and doing small groups. I thought, what's all this about? He says, well, because I get convicted of my sin <laughs> and I, it makes me want to be more like Jesus. And he's like, he's struggling with this, but he can't resist it, you know. So, so, and it's, it's this play of words. Um, he's a bit of a, a wind-up merchant. But every letter's personal. And what I'm reading through this, and it's countercultural to our culture of not wanting to belong. And so people come to the front every so often and they say, I say, okay, um, now just say in one sentence, because there's so many budding preachers, one couple of sentences, why you want to become members? And they grab the mic and everybody is a winner. It's absolutely fantastic. People who never dare speak before, they find the courage and they say, yeah, I want to become a gateway because of this, that and the other. And then new people coming in, a sense, wow, they're wanting to commit themselves to, to, to a community. It's almost like, this is, I've never heard of this before. You know, and this sense of belonging, and God owns it. And you find that people become Christians <laughs> through just demonstration. We want to be a part of community. And this God community, am, am I, is it helpful? You know, to, just to understand the practicalities of it. Adam and Eve... Noah, here's a verse for you, Proverbs 14.4. Where there are no oxen, the manger is clean. I like that. No smell. No t- when our grandkids have been through the house, it's like a bomb, is it? Absolute bomb, right? But no, where there are no oxen, the manger is clean. But abundant crops come by the strength of the ox. Think about it. Where there are no oxen, the manger is clean, but abundant crops come by the strength of the ox. In other words, if you want to grow, it's going to be messy. You're going to have to get used to a bit of mess. You're going to have to get used to a bit of change. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be fantastic. It's going to make you want to cry for the joy. You know, that's, there's a cost to mission. There's a cost to breakthrough. But each of you are unique. And each of you have got friends out there who are desperate for community. When churches don't have membership, we had a session on this this last week. This is why I'm, it's in my mind. Um, Mike Betts asked um, one of the church leaders from Peterborough to do a paper on it. When churches don't have membership, they have no means of safeguarding the church, children included. And nowadays, the, the, the tendency is to cohabit together rather than be married. There's no commitment, is there? 
We don't want the commitment that comes from relationship. We were surprised at the number of churches that don't have membership. And so we must get, we must sort this out. Finally, the call to go, the call to mission. Matthew 27, Jesus said, now therefore go into all the world, make disciples. You know it so well. But interestingly, if you, just, you have a Bible, if you turn to Matthew 27, I just want to tease out one or two things out of this in closing. I haven't planned to do this bit, so I'm going to have to just add a little bit. No, 28. Yeah, the Great Commission. <laughs> Matthew 28. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. That's no excuse. <laughs> and Jesus came and said to them, All authority on heaven, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe... <coughs> all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. What we're finding at Ashford is you don't have to go out the country to go to all the nations. We're doing a thing called ESOL, English, teaching English for speakers of other languages. We got third, last week, we had 38 people from other countries come every week. Andrea Benson does it, yeah. Um, to do, it's just growing and the need is far outstripping our ability to cope and we've got some retired teachers who are teaching them how to speak um, English and we, do you know what material we're using? the Alpha course <laughs> it's lovely absolutely lovely and people are starting to come along to church but you know what they're finding is that their people are putting a value on them we're putting a value on isolated and lonely people from other countries. We're getting Spanish people, Chinese people. It's beautiful. Beautiful. But I want to draw your attention to, to this. Um, there's, a, there's a community aspect to the call. It's not just individuals. Um, he called them together to be with him. And they worshipped him. And he said to them, go. And church, you've got um, a real challenge before you. I think you have got a great opportunity. I think you are poised for breakout. Do you want to give? Some of you, it's your crowning years. Do you want to really save the best till now? Where these next five to ten years, you could see 50 or 60 kids come to know Jesus, the parents. Once you start getting children, the parents come along. And the parents are just desperate to have their children brought up with some godly values. You know, the parents are looking... I mean, now the government's having to spend money teaching, what is it, the latest, teaching parents to put nappies on. That's because we're diluting marriage. And so I think we're, as a church in this country... We're well positioned to really be the answer now. I know the church is the answer, but the church hasn't always responded to the call 
because we've wanted to keep it all nice and tickety-boo, right? It won't be nice and tickety-boo for you. There's going to be mess. But are you willing to have a bit of mess for a lot of growth? Yes. I sense you are. There's something changed with you. There's something changing with you. And what, what most children need now are grandparents, spiritual grandparents. It really, really, really is, is desperately important. You've all got a role to play. And when I was sitting outside um, in my car, just looking at the building, um, there's a weather vane. Did you know you've got a weather vane on the top? And it was spinning around, it was pointing there towards Herne Bay, you know, towards the people. And you know, there's a call of God, there's a pointing of the Holy Spirit, come on, get involved. This is a great building. It could be, it could be used for other stuff. I think you're going to be talking about this. Am I speaking out of turn here? Have I let the cat out of the bag? Oh, that's all right. Good. I'll carry on then. Um, <laughs> you can get the stick. Not yeah, well, look, no, I don't mind. Because um, I'm convinced we've heard God on this. Look, Noah was called to build an ark for a season. Right? He was called. Now, that ark was vital for protection and focus and, and everything else. But the time came when the floods receded and the, the drawbridge had to go down, and the, the family of God had to go out into the whole wide world. And I, I was talking with Steve, I thought, I wonder what happened to the ark? I would be surprised if they didn't still use it for something. They would have, because it was an you know, important piece of stuff, wasn't it? It still had a place in their purpose of God, but the call of God was not limited to the ark. Can I just leave? I want to leave you today with a question. Just leave it hanging, a rhetorical question. Just to say, I I think you're on the cusp of something here. It's spinning around, it's pointing. And the Holy Spirit's on this church for great things. Okay? Can I pray for you? Um, Then we'll leave it at that. I thank you, Father, for John Way and Joe. I thank you that they came in at a time when they were needed. I thank you for their forebears sitting over here. Thank you, Lord, that from one generation to another, your purpose is unfolding. I thank you for Steve and his wife. Lord, just one generation to another. Lord, we see these kids going through the next generation. Lord, we know you've got a purpose for this, this church. Lord, I, I don't know how they're going to do this, but I, I, I pray, Holy Spirit, you would lead the church here so it's faithful to its call to mission. Thank you for the community. Thank you for the conversions. Thank you for the commitment, Lord. It's required for church to be built in, like cutting paper people out. We know that's so important, Lord, because kids need that. Lord, they do. It's just it's so important that kids have a great time, Lord, because you're a great God. Lord, but I pray for them. I pray that your glorious purpose would now unfold at a pace. It would really, Lord, you give them the best deal possible. Amen. Amen. Just in, just in finishing, finishing, um, I was reading today in Ezra, and um, it, it, just two things I noticed from that, um, that God did two things. 
when Ezra was rebuilding the temple in Jerusalem, um, God did two things. He did something to the king of Persia, who wasn't a believer in God, but God, he was wanted to show favour to God's people. And um, it's it, it said that God, um, what did he do to Cyrus's heart? Um, he said he did something to Cyrus's heart. What am I looking for? He stirred up, that's it. The Lord, verse, verse 1, he stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, to help. That's one thing God stirred up. Then later on, he stirred up, in chapter 1, the people of God to build the house. And I think there's two things that you're going to happen. You're going to find God's favour out there. God's going to do some stirring by the powers that be to bless you. And you're going to get a stirring here. Every one of you needs to be stirred by God to do this. And by that way, the purposes of God will be fulfilled for this church. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Graham.